It's been a few weeks. Yep. For good reason, I think. Yeah, we've been busy. Been busy. Now you're sick. Now I'm sick, and I've got the post-nasal spray complete blockage going mm-hmm, on. Mm-hmm. So it's going to be a lot of uh, mouth breathing on this end <laughs> tonight. More than usual. Because my nose is completely clogged. Well, now your breathing will match your thinking. <laughs> sure. <laughs> yeah. Um, but in those few weeks, I've got a lot of drama to talk about. Oh, work drama? Yeah. Okay. So the 11th was my last day of work with Public Utilities. Mm-hmm. The 16th, I started with this new company that uh, shall rename Nameless on the podcast. Yeah. And it's been a paradise, right? Mm. As much as work can be paradise. I saw your kitchen. Yeah. I mean, it's just amazing. It's yeah. Like, they've got a ton of money. Like everyone there, it's, it's small. And everyone that's there is like into it, right? Mm-hmm. And like the work is interesting. The company is interesting. Like I said, just... I've actually enjoyed going to work the past couple of weeks. And they're paying me a lot more than what my last job was paying me. Yeah. And I'm doing like one thing, right? Mm-hmm. One aspect of what I was doing my last job. So anyways, so I'm starting my, this is my fourth week there. So apparently after, a week after I left, my boss at my old job was rushed to the ER. Right, because she wasn't feeling well. I told you about this, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, she wasn't feeling well. They sent her home. She went back. They sent her home. She went back. They sent her home. And then she, like, blacked out, fell, hurt her back, mm. was taken to the ER. Um, and uh, I guess they found a tumor in her abdomen. So my best, and, and, and you know, and nobody knows anything because the hospital won't tell anybody that's not a relative what's going on. Mm -hmm. And her only relatives live in Oregon. So everything is kind of secondhand. I'm being told this from, you know, uh, ladies in the front office. So anyways, they find a tumor uh, and she gets put on a ventilator on life support, basically. Uh, Because if they take her off, she goes into cardiac arrest. So she's been that way for two weeks. And so that's basically three weeks removed at this job. And at my job with public utilities, myself and my boss were the only two people that knew how to do our jobs. Mm. And we do a lot of things, right? And a lot of them involve reports and all this stuff. And a lot of it's been documented and you can find it. We set it up for other people to look at and be able to do it. But it's still just like, it's a lot. It's overwhelming for us to both be gone. Mm-hmm. So then I find out today that she's, like I said, she's been on life support for two weeks. Um, and her sister's in town now. And they've decided tomorrow they're just taking her off life support. So Public Utilities is now like they have nobody. Mm-hmm. And throughout this whole process, I've been calling ladies in the front office, calling some of the engineers, just trying to get updates, 
trying to sort of help out where I can when they have Jeez. questions about like, you know, because they still have to do stuff, yeah. right? So if they need to know how to do something, they hit a wall, they'll give me a call or send me an email. And every single time I talk to somebody, they say, you know, if you want to come back, we'll be more than happy to have you back, right? <sighs> and I keep thinking to myself, like, I'm sure you would be happy <laughs> to have me back. I don't really want to come back. So today, uh, the office administrator emails me and she's like, hey, just wanted to update you. And she tells me, you know, basically what I told you, they're, taking, they're pulling her support. off life Jeez. support tomorrow. Here are the visiting hours if you want to stop by before they do that. Um, and uh, thanks for your help with, you know, some of the processes. And just so you know, we'd love to have you back. And so I figured, like, I need to say something. Right, right. Because right, everyone yeah. keeps offering right. something. Like, I need to say something. So I email her back. I'm like, you know, this is just, you know, beyond shocking. I, I don't even know what to say. Blah, blah, blah. Um, I'm, I'm happy to help in any way possible. Uh, you know, you have my cell phone. You have my email. Feel, please feel free to contact me. Uh, and I was like, and I really appreciate my time at Public Utilities, and I'm very grateful for the experience and everything I learned. Um, but I'm very happy with my new job and the possibilities that it's presenting me. And it would take a really strong offer to pull me away from that, right? And I'm, I'm like, not because sh- I, I feel like I have to address mm-hmm, this, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm not going to, and, and, it, and at the same time, like it's feels really, really gross yeah. to like use this thing to like lever to I like negotiate, yeah. to be like, okay, I'll come back, pay me this amount of money. Right. Even though that is like a thing, you know what I mean? Like yeah. I will come back if you want to pay me a ton of money. Right. Um, so I'm kind of like, but ultimately like if I had my druthers, right. Just leave me, leave me alone. Right. Right. right? Just leave me be. Right. That's not to dismiss. Yeah. Use it as a reference. Right. 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 I I just want to like this whole thing is just so stressful. Yeah. Right. And again, not to make it about me. Right. Mm -hmm. There's bigger, worse things going on. So anyways. So I like I showed to Julie. I'm like, does this look all right? And she's giving me some tips and I'm like feeling really anxious about it. Yeah. Because I'm like, I just I really don't want to be presented with this at all. I just want it to be like, I'm happy to help. I'm happy to talk on the phone. I'm happy to email. Just don't please don't complicate things for me. You know what I mean? Yeah. <clears throat> so I send her that email and uh, that was this afternoon. And I, that was at like maybe like three o'clock in the afternoon. Mm-hmm. I don't hear anything back for a while. So I'm just thinking like, okay. you know, the yeah. city is the city They're, You know, they're not, I'm not going to say they're cheap, but they are resource strapped right they don't have an unlimited amount of funds despite like the reputation they have for wasting money and all this stuff like they are not going to like just throw money at a problem right yeah uh and then it's like 6 30 she emails me back and she's like oh i definitely understand hopefully you'll hear you'll hear from us soon with an offer and i'm like and um, and since 6:30 my heart has been racing because i'm now so uh, 
stressed out. And I know that like this is like the best kind of problem to have. You right, know what I mean? Right. But it's it's so uncomfortable and yeah. it's so awkward. And it's like, again, I don't want to complain about like getting better prospects, but I'm so totally stressed out now at this because it's like now my now my options are I either reject the city in a position where they are in desperate need of help. Like yeah. I understand how like against the ropes they are with this situation with both of us being gone. And again, I, I, I want to stress, and this is like an invisible person I'm arguing against. I want to stress that like, I understand the like most important thing right here is mm-hmm. that someone is, is dying. Yeah. And, and that's a tragedy. It yeah. really is. It's, it's incredibly sad. Right. So I either reject them in that space that they're in, right? Or I have to now go to my new boss that I've been to for less than a month and be like, hey, my old job offered me way more money. So you guys can either match that or, you know, thanks for the last three weeks. Yeah. See you later. No one said hi to me. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. I keep trying to say good evening to everybody and everyone ignores me. I've made it a point to be more outgoing and I just get ignored. This is what. So see you later. Right. (laughs) This is what you say to public utilities. You say, listen, I have a completely unqualified brother-in-law. He knows nothing about these systems. Yeah. (laughs) But he is my brother-in-law. He already asks me for a lot and to explain a lot to him. So listen, I'll. You can have him (laughs) at cost, uh, and I'll just be whispering in his in his ear. Yeah, like I said, I understand that it's a good quote unquote problem to have, but man, it is very yeah stressful, very uncomfortable. Yeah, no, that's 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 awful. I think to me though, I I don't know, man. I feel like when it when it's come to career issues i've tended to find out that people's basic humanity comes out and that really what we're scared of is a worst case scenario yeah that not saying that that won't happen but that that is representative of a worst case scenario And a lot of times what we don't think about are the best case scenarios or what tends to happen which is a compromise between the two where somebody's like you know, you explain to them, full, like, listen, I left my job. My boss goes on life support within two days. Yeah. Like, I've worked there for years. I have some connection. I feel psychologically linked and guilty. Right. And they've offered to, Matt, to exceed. I'm probably guessing they'd have to exceed what you're yeah, making, right? they have to so, exceed it by a lot. Yeah. So, listen, they, they've exceeded wildest expectations and i feel like i have to honor that responsibility of working with those people for years having this tragedy like you know i mean i just don't see and if they are jerks then it's like they've revealed more about themselves than you have about being like listen i'm a human i'm just responding to situations humanly and this is a perfectly reasonable way to respond to this situation so you know i mean like it is is what it is but like you said they'd have to exceed where, right. where, where you're at now. Yeah. And 
it, it sounds like probably what's going to happen is, hey, keep me on call for right. reference. I'm super happy here. Thank you. Right. Yeah, that's that's kind of what I expect. And yeah, it's that's the the that's the thing with this working for the city and working for a private company, I feel like is with the city, the biggest benefit is stability. Yeah. Cuz that is your job for the rest of your life as long as you don't do something really really stupid. Yep. And if they can offer me an amount of money that's like Ex- far exceeds what I'm making now. Will I be okay with that? Making that <coughs> more or less same amount of money for the rest of my life, if anything less, because the way the city works is you get like a two percent raise, but that's to kind of cover for like a two and a half percent increase in your insurance costs, right? Or do I take my chances with the private company where I have maybe the ability to move up? a lot more and to ultimately make a lot more money. But you also have that fear of like you could get dumped at any moment. And knowing that your industry, knowing your industry, like it's hard to believe that that industry wouldn't be around. But then also in just the climate of uncertainty, you feel like, I don't know, that industry could go. You know what I mean? Like what industry is safe? Yeah. I don't know. But like you said, if it's state or government work, you're you're relatively safer. Yeah. Which is kind of the way that I feel about the universe at work right. for. So even that's not a guarantee. Yeah. Well, no wonder you're sick. Yeah. Yeah, so it's been a stressful few weeks. And it's <laughs> I bet. like uh and the and then the, there's the whole like like cancer thing. Like my boss has this tumor. Julia's friend just passed away from cancer. I've got another uh, friend from work who's going through the same thing. And it just is like, man, it really is. Yeah. Again, not to take the focus away from those people because they're the ones that are going through it. But man, being on the just periphery of it is very, very stressful. And it just really like puts you in a weird headspace. Yeah. Yeah. It's just. Amazing how we just kind of naturally compartmentalize yeah. with our lives. Because yeah, you can't live with the fact of death even, you know, right. or like even other people's deaths. It's, it's a lot. Yeah. Well, hopefully by the next time we record, this will all be resolved. <laughs> right. You'll be happily employed at the place with the awesome kitchen. Right. Uh, but man, that is cra- that's just crazy. It's just crazy. Yeah. It's just one of those things that, yeah, you're like, you can't stop to think about because it's too crazy. Yeah. You just got to keep going and be like, well, that happened. But, right. you know, just the, get on the other side of this. Yeah. The con- confluence of events is unbelievable. Yeah. Yeah. So. And I, and I should say, on t- uh, the my boss and I aren't the only one. The, the, a third person also quit at the same time I did from public utilities mm. who was also responsible for some of this stuff so it's like they've lost a lot of people jeez that's rough yeah it is it's strange So.
So yeah, pulling out. <laughs> so mission reversing. impossible ten. <laughs> so I think walking out of the theater, you said it's like Donald Trump wrote an action movie. Yeah. Do you stand by that? Absolutely. Okay. It's just one of the most ego maniacal things I've ever watched. Like it's so clearly like even the the character arc of this particular movie where it's like Ethan Hunt is basically the greatest person in the world, but everything around him is like falling apart. I'm I'm already trying to do an anagram with his name to see how close to Donald Trump we can get. <laughs> right. Ethan Hunt. Um I mean, yeah, I think the thing that I find interesting in reading and listening to people talk about it, a lot of people acknowledge the vanity, the the ego that's involved in these films. Mm-hmm. I mean, um, just some little anecdotes that I've I've heard since we watched it was like he had them design those uh, helmets that they use when they do the halo jump from the plane oh, yeah. so you could see his face <laughs> because no, there's no practical use for something with that yeah. much, you know, transparency. Right. So it's like they need to do that. So you can see it's him. They had to do like special rigs just so you can see it's him right. in like all these scenes. Yeah. And that is like his directive. And that is what they're trying to do. They're trying to say, this is Tom Cruise. Right. And I feel like at some point you just have diminishing returns where it's like I, I can already believe it's him and almost the, the amount that they or the lengths to which they go to show that it's him, it almost like works against itself. Mm-hmm. Like it becomes sad almost. I can't help but watch him in every insane <coughs> action scene mm-hmm. to be like, this is a man. Like fighting against death. Right. He doesn't want to accept his age. He doesn't want to accept that his youth is gone. Right. He wants to show that he can run as fast as he ever did. He can jump out of things, you know, like he did 20 years ago. It's like when you finally realize you can beat your dad at basketball. Right. It's just sad. Right. Nobody feels good about it. And it's just sad. And and this film is just a in service to that impulse. So yeah, I completely agree. What I find interesting though is that people can absorb that and then like compute it and then spit it out as like enjoyment of that product. I think I end up being stronger on it than you because you literally hate that movie yeah and i don't hate it um but the elements that i do appreciate are the ones that aren't serving tom cruise's <coughs> ego you know um like i can still take visceral enjoyment in the bathroom fight scene yeah i mean the bathroom fight scene was fine but it's the, my problem is the action is is not anything that i haven't seen before and the dialogue and the writing and the story is just dumb. Mm-hmm. And it's not like f- dumb fun. It just is dumb. Yeah. Like you were saying people were comparing this to Mad Max. 
in terms of like action films, like greatest action films of the last right. 15 years, it's like Mad Max and this. But one. for me, what makes Mad Max such a great film is not that like the action is, it's that the stuff that's not the action is, is also great. great. It's great. It's like you can see it as being like dumb, I guess, but it's very, very clever, right? Mm-hmm. It's like part of that is like supposed to be just like dumb fun. Yeah. But like the ideas in that are very inventive and very clever. Whereas in Mission and in this mission you literally get a line from Henry Cavill that's like basically this mission just got a whole lot more impossibler. Like you know what I mean? Like he literally says something like that in that airplane scene. Like he says something like it's not an impossible mission for no- it's so stupid. You, and the writing is so so bad. You ducked out of the um theater for one moment and it was actually like i don't know if anybody's told you the line that you missed no. but you i was afraid your head would have exploded <laughs> if you were there like legitimately people say that joking i was for real scared yeah there's a scene where he's pretending to be and again here like i don't even remember the name of the big bad guy uh but he's pretending to be this big bad guy who wants nuke nuclear weapons he wants multiple of them because he wants to basically just destroy everything right he's that insane he has also been linked to the to the uh to an outbreak of smallpox Uh and ethan hunt is pretending to be this guy Uh and in order to convince this lady that he's really the guy there's a long pause where she's like you don't strike me as a man, blah, 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 whatever, right? Uh-huh. And so it's on him. And they give him a beat, too. Like, he's really thinking about it. And his comeback line is, I release smallpox on a families. <laughs> of course I'm that kind of guy. And you're like, the thing that we already know that he did, like, yeah. his one thing, he right. just has released smallpox on people. Yeah. And, like, He's still riding that wave. It's like a guy who has like, it's like Joseph Heller writes Catch-22 and won't stop talking about he wrote Catch-22. Except this guy's is, he released smallpox. Smallpox. And he's just like, he's riding that wave all the way. And uh, that's what he reached for. And that's what convinces her like, ooh, this guy is evil. It's just, that was ridiculous. That was terrible. Um, See, I agree. And, th- and there are scenes like when Alec Baldwin dies. Oh, my gosh. And Elise. That was so bad. Elise and I just watched um, The Departed. Uh-huh. And Alec Baldwin's in The Departed. Uh-huh. And The Departed is a great movie. Like, I had so much fun watching that movie. Yeah. And one of the reasons, and the reason why I lo- love Alec Baldwin is, like, he's playing a character in that. Like you can see him actually doing something. Um, in Mission Impossible 6, it really does feel like Alec Baldwin just like rolled out onto the set. And maybe it's also the fact that The Departed is surprisingly old. Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I feel like Departed happened recently, but it's been a while. So maybe he's just like aged out. Mm-hmm. Maybe he's aged into the area, you know, into like Ving Rhames territory. Do you see somebody, I think it's Eric Snyder, calculated like his screen time and then like his screen time actually moving it's like 
44 minutes over all the Mission Impossibles. And like out of his 44 minutes of screen time, there's five minutes of him in motion. The rest, he's like in a van. Right. Or he's just like sitting. Sitting down. Not moving. Yeah. I feel like Alec Baldwin solving Rams was like, I can do that. Yeah. And yeah, when he has to like act like he's dying and like I have to care about it, that like, yeah, that stuff doesn't work. But Tom Cruise, like, driving around Paris on a motorcycle is like again pretty spectacular yeah, like I, that I that still doesn't do gets me. me going so i would say even the halo jump the um motorcycle uh, you know i don't know him running is whatever but the uh helicopter him running is first of all <laughs> him running is like that's his thing whatever let it be it is not exciting to watch somebody running when they're chasing somebody else yeah but i think you have is, to be the one getting chased yeah, for it like, to be exciting i think it's the fact that it's tom cruise doing and it. it's so long there's like 10 minutes of him running in this movie mm-hmm. and it just is run 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 hey the guy is over there okay run 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 run, run. oh now he's over here all right run run run, run. it's like Again, if you want it to be exciting, first of all, you have to be the one getting chased. Yeah, I mean, I'll give it to you too that everything surrounding it is and just And the motorcycle thing stinks too because the entire time he's sticking his foot out like an old man. Yeah. And it's like that's not how you do it. That's how an old man does it. <laughs> it does make you think your like ankle's a- going to yeah. snap in two. <laughs> At that speed, he basically would just shatter his leg. Yeah, in the running too. They somebody needs to be dropping frames from that because it looks slow. It, it does not look fast anymore. They need to artificially speed that up. See, I think that you you just have like a curmudgeon uh, reaction to Tom Cruise and Mission Impossible's. You've been this way for the last few Mission Impossible's, and and that's where. I would disagree. Well, I mean, this is the other thing too. I don't even remember the. You know which Mission Mm -hmm. Impossible I remember? The first one. Yeah. Because that movie is a masterpiece. The rest of them are forgettable popcorn whatevers, and this last one is just straight up terrible. Like three is good, four is good, maybe you don't don't remember remember four, five do not remember at all. Whatever six is bad. Okay. And two is two I, I would rank two as the worst, <laughs> but seeing the reaction that six is getting, six is the worst. Six gets right. demoted. Yeah. Okay. So anyway, I just I wanted your views out there because I feel like, you know, we need to uh psychically balance these scales because people are just falling over themselves. Yeah, it's crazy. This is cra the the praise that the, the movie gets is is nuts. Yeah. So uh, so yeah, I, I ended up liking it just fine. Um, I don't see how anybody can watch the dialogue scenes and watch the Ethan Hunt characterization and not walk away from it being like, this is his fantasy of a superhero, like projected on screen mm-hmm. and it hasn't developed much, much since he was like eight. And right. he still believes it just as wholeheartedly. Yeah. I mean, Ethan Hunt does nothing wrong. Right. You know, the whole thing is premised on him laying some plutonium getaway. Right. But he's saving his crew and 
he's he's still going. He's being framed unjustly. And he's still going to get the job done. And the other thing, too, is I I don't buy, like, the big reveal is that the bad guy is Henry Cavill, who was the CIA guy who was assigned to his crew or whatever. But they already know within the first 15 seconds, Ethan Hunt looks at me, he's like, you're the one who's making my job so difficult because you're just killing all the apostles when you find them. And immediately I'm like, if I lived through everything that happened in the previous five films, I'd be like, oh, you're a double agent. Right. That's why you're killing everybody and not letting me talk to them. You know what I mean? Like, it seems like such an obvious reveal from the get-go that, you know, if, if the impossible mission force has been infiltrated as many times as it has, which is like every single film before this, then the CIA has probably been as well. And the guy who's murdering all the apostles before they can talk, it's probably your guy. Right. You know what I mean? So anyway, just as in, 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 and I'll agree with you too, Henry Cavill's not good in this. Yeah, I don't, I don't know actor. what what people are saying about like, they like that he has the look, but when he right. talks, yeah. it's like somebody dubbed over his voice yeah. because he couldn't get his lines it's out. It's really bad. Yeah. I'm, I'm calling it right now. We are getting a Donald Trump tweet where he is Ethan Hunt. And the fake news media is the IMF or whatever, mm. and CNN is Henry Cavill. <laughs> I'm telling you, it's coming. Uh, so anyway, <clears throat> libertarians. Yeah. Um, so I wanted to talk briefly. Um, you texted. I, I listened to on the media. Yeah. But they did a um. They did a podcast last week <clears throat> called Enemy of the People. And it's about the Trump rally that that uh, he did in Tampa. And then it talks about the guy who wants to print 3D mm-hmm. um, guns and a documentary on Trayvon Martin. Mm-hmm. Um, and what stood out to me is talking to this guy guy who wants to print 3d guns yeah actually he doesn't want to print them he just wants to provide the blueprints to print them for free on the internet uh because of free speech or whatever right which is basically his argument listen whatever i want to do it because i can do it right you know that's and and the thing that stood out to me is number one how petulant his worldview is it really is reactionary to just any other system that's in place. Yeah. And what's well, it's, he's decontextualizing everything. everything, the, the, the assault rifle files he's putting on the internet are not assault rifle files. They're just data. And he's allowed to put data on the internet, right? Whether that be, I guess, assault rifle files or child pornography, right? Like what's the difference? Yep. And, uh, if he, Oh, he also wants to do this like cryptocurrency thing. Yeah. Where like, except it's all unregulated by the sounds of it. Like even for, like at least Bitcoin has record of every transaction that's done in Bitcoin. Yeah. And what he wants something less than that. So in the, on the media interview, Bob Garfield is like, that could fund terrorism. Right. And he's, he's basically like, Listen, 
uh, if the free market, blah, 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 you know right. what I mean? So it made me, and, and he references like classic libertarian thinking and, and as a libertarian, you know, and it just made me think like, I know libertarianism, but I want to go to like the libertarian platform and actually hear these people try to like with all the time that they need to articulate their worldview yeah. and see what kind of picture we get of the world or society. And what you realize, what you get is you get people who in the end feel like libertarianism is a justification for their will. Like they have the will to succeed in an environment where there are no rules. Right. And it's basically just like the strongest and the most willful person will rise to the top. And that's what libertarianism is. And it's also built on these false ideals that will also allow people who have deep moral convictions to project to other people like, hey, it's okay. You can come and be in my world. And meanwhile, they're just trying to like quench this like lust for power and domination that will come out of them. Yeah. As soon as their libertarian principles are enacted and all the sheep that are around them are just going to get bulldozed or like folded into them. Yeah. Because I was reading and a few things stood out to me. Um, number one on their libertarian platform, uh, self-defense. <laughs> the only legitimate use of force is in defense of individual rights. So not in defense of you it's in defense of individual rights yeah and they uh, put that as life liberty and justly acquired property Mm -hmm. against aggression is is aggression me wandering onto your territory because i there wasn't a clear sign or maybe i got a little drunk and i just kind of walked off the path yeah or maybe I was walking down your neighborhood with a hoodie on and some, you know, Skittles. Right? Yeah. And uh, now there's no government property. So that sidewalk in front of my house is my property. Right. You know, um, we uh, this right in here's in the individual who may agree to be aided by any. <laughs> Sorry. This right in, in here's in the individual who may agree to be aided by any other individual or group. <laughs> so they're already identifying like, yeah, militias will happen. Right. Listen, you're, you're, you're going to want to band together. Yeah. Uh, and, we, and we get that. We affirm the individual right recognized <laughs> things by... Are, things are going to get purgy real <laughs> quick. <laughs> uh, but we're not going to call it purgy. We're just going to say like groups or indivi- you know, other individuals or groups. Uh, we affirm the individual right recognized by the Second Amendment to keep and bear arms and oppose the persecution of individuals for exercising their rights of self-defense. So, you know, you're defending yourself. I can't, you know, stop you from defending yourself, regardless of what, whatever you injure. Like, is is every bullet going center mass? Or are you, like, spraying guns off your property into my property, and then I can, what, defend myself from that aggression or whatever? Um. Private property owners should should be free to establish their own conditions 
regarding the presence of personal defense weapons on their own property. We oppose all laws at any level of government restricting, registering, or monitoring the ownership, manufacture, or transfer of firearms or ammunition. That is only their section on self-defense. <laughs> that, 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 is, that is just their principles applied to, the, to, to self-defense. And what you get is a feudal system of everybody having their own kingdom next to somebody else's kingdom and are terrified of people right. coming into their kingdom so they can set up whatever they want, unregistered, unlicensed weapons. Yeah. We're not just talking about guns. What if I want a turret? Yeah. <laughs> what if I want a motion-activated turret on my property? Yeah. You know what I mean? They, so what system are we supporting here? And that takes me to an article, a few articles that I read, right? And if we look at just the 3D printing gun issue, here's a, a brilliant libertarian mind applying their principles and their critical thinking to this very real issue of self-defense with unmonitored registered weapons, possibly even 3D printed guns, right? Yeah. Quote, perhaps the only way forward if we choose to try and control this is to control the gunpowder, <laughs> the explosives, and not the actual device. Lipson, who recently co-authored a book about 3D printing, is cautious about what form gunpowder regulation could take and didn't explicitly take a side for or against gun control. Quote, whether or not there should be gun control as an issue, I'm trying to avoid the question of whether or not there should be. If somebody is going to put in gun control, it's all about catching the one case. He says, referring to individual criminals. So here's somebody who's saying, listen, I don't want to think about this gun control thing. That's not what my focus is, okay? My focus is, theoretically, if we wanted to stop this thing, they can't even apply <laughs> real-world critical thinking skills to their own principles right? for fear of them saying, like, yeah, we probably shouldn't have landmines in people's property. Right. That probably wouldn't be. No, libertarian, whatever you want, man. That's good right. for well, you. It's not the landmine that does anything wrong. Yes. It's the person who sets it up, right? Yes. And, and the thing that he, he's like, listen, if you wanted to control something with guns, not saying that you want to, I guess just control the gunpowder. But on that, <laughs> I don't even know how you would do that. So, you right. know what I mean? Like they, they're so whatever, either bought into their perspective yeah, or they're so out there on like individual rights as being what the course correction, you know, yeah. like we don't need a government because a government like will just reflect itself on the people. What we need is people who are each given the free right to do whatever they want on their land with whoever steps on their land. Right. Well, it's like this kid. What's his name? I want to say his name's Cody Wilson. That's not right, is it? Is yeah, it? I think it's yeah, Cody Wilson. He says something like, "Yeah, it's strange because it's like they don't." 
he doesn't want to regulate guns, right? Because guns are just a very, very efficient tool, and they do exactly what they're designed to do. What they're designed to do. So he doesn't want to regulate that. I guess he wants to regulate the behavior, but the entire premise of libertarianism is to not regulate anything. So <clears throat> libertarianism, is, it, libertarianism is something that really, like, I just don't understand what they want. You know what I mean? Like, and it also seems like they're on the, a different side of the same sort of corporate worship coin that conservatives are on, where conservatives kind of, like, want corporations to have all this power. And libertarians kind of, uh, they'll tell you they don't like corporations or want them to have unlimited power, but they also don't believe that they should be regulated in any way. Yeah, their their stance is on, so like here's their stance on the environment. Competitive free markets and property rights stimulate the technological innovations and behavioral changes required to protect our environment and ecosystems. They're saying competitive free markets. So, hey, you want Roundup out there competing against this other, you know, kind of weed killer? Well, their competition is going to naturally progress them in a moral direction that will think and consider the environment. Yeah. I mean, free markets don't exist anymore, right? This yeah. is not the 1800s. We're not in Deadwood. Yeah. Right? And it's like and it's like what they see is like between the free markets and the individual owners of the property, that will regulate itself towards climate health. Yeah. What? That that is that's not the case already at all. Right. And if Bob next door wants to like leave his fecal matter out on his property and it's running into the creek bed that's going downstream. Well, what basis are you going to go stop him from taking dumps by the, by the creek bed? Right. It's his freaking property. Yeah. You know what I mean? Where are you going to tackle him off his ride on lawnmower and break right. his ribs? Like, you know what I mean? That's not very uh, libertarian. Yeah. Um, and so I'm, I'm like th- this whole idea or this worldview that is basically like what we're all angels at heart. And if given, if shaken free from the shackles of society, we'll all just better ourselves and each other. Yeah. It's going to turn into the internet is what it's going to turn into a physical manifestation of the internet because that's where people get to go and be untethered right. and look at it. You yeah. know what I mean? Like it's such a bizarre worldview. But then also in that interview on, on the media, Cody Wilson or whoever, he, he starts talking about like Bob uh, Garfield. I, I forget how he does it, but he kind of proposes this idea of like, or he, or he asks him if he's afraid of being shot and killed by a 3D printed gun. Right. And dude, Cody Wilson, man, he just like seizes his moment, takes the hero's pose on the rock. And just gives his like inspirational speech about being like right. killed by a progressive for their nanny state. And in my death, I will, you know, carry on the legacy of freedom. And yeah. it's the one question he's been practicing answering his yeah. entire life. He yeah. just has this like fixation, this ideation of like, 
being assassinated and on principles. You know what I mean? Yeah. But it's like, it's all bizarre, misplaced principles. Yeah. You know what I mean? And it's all petulance. Like, he named a 3D uh, printing cartridge after Dianne Feinstein because she wants to pass gun control. Yeah. So it's like, yeah, it sounds like you're a real hero of your principles when you're naming things after Democrats. Like, yeah, you don't seem really like fit to lead anybody out of this quagmire. It seems like you're deep in this quagmire being influenced by everybody that you're claiming you're either not influenced right. by or whatever. And it's like on, on the media, what, what do you feel like? Do you feel like that? That interview was constructive in terms of like portraying him as the nut job he is or did it somehow like could you see that speaking to people and do you feel like interviews like that either need to be more antagonistic or do not need to happen at all because it it ends up presenting him like i have a perspective here that needs to be heard when it's like no you have you're a lunatic who's crouching an insane worldview and like these principles that really don't mean anything yeah and no one's going to push you to the extent to show you how little your principles mean in reality. Yeah, I don't know. I think the, I mean, I can see both sides of it. I can, I can see the argument of like not giving this guy a platform, but at the same time, uh, you know, it's kind of exposing his views for the craziness that they are is <clears throat> the, I feel like the point. Uh, and I definitely got that from the interview. Now, you know, people will pull different things from it. But, I mean, it reminded me, it wasn't a- as antagonistic as this, but it reminded me of the interview with the guy that was started the, was it revenge porn? You remember that interview? Yeah, yeah. Of It's called like Up All Night, maybe? Something like that? Are You Up? Something like that? Yeah. Um. But it reminded me kind of that of that interview. It was definitely antagonistic, but it wasn't, you know, it was a little bit more straightforward. It wasn't like he didn't, you know, Bob didn't like just like go for the throat or anything. Um, yeah, I feel like I feel like generally that's they they probably do it the right way. Yeah. When they interview people. Um, and like this is news. Like he's. Yeah. He's currently going through the court system trying right. to get this stuff out there. And it matters. So I, I honestly think that I agree with the way that they do it. But I think that there are other people who do interviews and are not, they don't do the due diligence oh, absolutely. to prepare yeah. themselves. And so they end up either just getting steamrolled right. or they don't have control of the interview. And it ends up just, yeah, being a platform for that person. Yeah, I think it's definitely presented in a way. It's not super antagonistic, but I felt like it was presented in a way that makes that that at least leads you or helps you understand like this is insane yeah this is like absurd but i just want to go on record as saying and i may already be on record as saying this but i want to reiterate that i'm perfectly happy to contextualize free speech i'm perfectly happy to not have free speech mean literally everything is free speech right i have no problems with saying hey gun data files not free speech right yeah. i'm even as i'm even happy to be like uh hate speech 
like Nazi stuff at rallies, not free. Like the KKK, you cannot hold a rally in our city park under the guise of free speech. I would be perfectly happy with that being passed into law. Yeah. Like I have no issues with that. This idea that like the right to bear arms means you can have any weapon in the world that you can dream up is ridiculous. And the idea that free speech entitles you to say and do whatever you want with no consequences at all is absurd. And like I said before, what is the difference then between a, a gun a uh, data file, uh, a magazine data file, and uh, a piece of child pornography. They're both data, right? Mm-hmm. If I have that, I'm not actually committing the act. It's just the file I have, right? You, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. What, like, there's no difference. Yeah, what I think is, is frustrating, too, though, is like, and, th- and this is widely accepted, I think, in, in our current climate, where you are allowed to present an idea and not have to explain how you got to like, you don't have to show your work. Yeah. You just need to show your answer. Right. And your answer could be like, like what he did where he's like, listen, it's a file. (laughs) It's like, no, I want you to show your work. Right. You're trying to share guns. So what future utopia involves people 3d printing untraceable guns. Right. And he can't do that. He he just keeps going back to like the principle. Yeah. And I feel like in smaller ways, people still do that. Where the principle of saying both sides feels right. And to a certain extent, it's right. You know? And to a certain extent to be like, I don't want, you know, the government looking into everything I do and accessing my information and accessing my files all under the guise of like right. safety. Yeah. Right? And be like, Sure, I don't want them on my cell phone either. I don't want Facebook selling my data. I don't right. want any of that either, right? But but then to Im- take that and run to a place where you then say, ergo, 3D printing guns totally makes sense, right. is preposterous. Or getting to a place where you sit there and you say like, you know, I believe in the free market. Therefore, CEOs should get paid a hundred times the amount their workers should. Or I believe in the free market. Therefore I can't say when Jeff Bezos has too much money or, you know, what or whatever. But then I also love that a lot of times these people just like Trump, they have a lot to say about like people like LeBron James. And it's just because they're more public figures that interact with them day to day. Like in a sport, if Jeff Bezos played a sport, you know, a bunch of these people would have way more harsh things to say about Jeff Bezos. Right. But because he represents like a corporate system that we need to support because we're capitalists or whatever, and it shows a healthy economy as we get these like mega conglomerates, right? Then we don't have much to say about them. But people can come out against, you know, LeBron James, who opens a fantastic school yeah. and like racistly pound him into the ground over what he's doing with his money or his fame or all this stuff. And yet Jeff Bezos can't open a school. Right. You know what I mean? Like he has to find a way to get his bunker a hundred yards <laughs> deeper underground <laughs> right. or find a 
survivable planet they can blast right. himself off to. You, you know what I mean? Right. He has to hire another uh, defense contractor. Yeah. <laughs> for when the purge actually happens. Exactly. <laughs> and it's like, and, and these people don't realize, like, as they just like spit and get red in the face at like NFL players who are kneeling on the field and you guys make too much money or just athletes and you know, you're, uh, you need to show some respect for the country that made you. They then don't turn to the CEOs and say like, Hey, you guys need to show some respect to the country that made you right. Or, or that sustains you. And so like when Apple comes out as like, not paying any taxes to us. Like, let's let's get the right. LeBron James hate over to Tim right. Cook. Right. This company that just became the first trillion dollar company in the world and yet they're paying no taxes. <laughs> yeah. And and and, and is in, again, like the level and again, these are people who I think would argue that like they are like the both sides people. They're like, we're the rational people here. Everyone needs to calm down. But they can't say Colin Kaepernick without, like, go, having an aneurysm. Right. You know what I mean? Uh, but they can say capitalism, free market, and not bat an eye. Yeah. Like, th- that to me, like, again, we're not now, those two perspectives are not, like, on equal footing. Like, like we're, we're not having, like, side A and side B just calmly talking about these principles. We have one person who's looking at the system being like, this is... In the unequal and unfair, and the other person who's saying, "No, the system's fine, and the system clearly is not fine." Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it's like, let's just level the playing field. So this libertarian guy is a nut job. Yeah. Like what he's saying about online data files just being data files, ones and zeros. Who cares what they convey? Yeah. Is a dumb perspective. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's it's just purposeful decontextualization. And, and like I said, I don't know what the point of it is. Just, I don't know. It's it's so to he has something to, it's, it's so he has something to die for. Yeah. You know, if he didn't have this perspective, what's he going to do? Join the picket line of Occupy Wall Street? No, man, those are sissies. Like, you know what I mean? Like, he wants something uh, manly to fight for. And that means individual rights. You know what I mean? It's like screw you. You live in the suburbs, probably. Like, yeah. you know, what do you, what are you defending? What land are you defending? What <laughs> what like lifestyle are you preserving yeah. in your libertarian ideology? Like, you know, you're you you have a nine to five, or you, well, you don't. You're trying to perpetuate a harmful and regressive worldview. You know what I mean? Yeah. But at least it gives you something that you can dream about dying for. Yeah. Um, I saw a bumper sticker on the way to work today. It said white lives matter. Ugh. <clears throat> and all I saw were the words at first, the words white lives matter. I was like, Oh boy. So I actually sped up to see what was on this bumper sticker. Cause I couldn't make it out. And it says white lives matter. It's a blue bumper sticker. It's a square. It's got a white border. White lives matters on the bottom and in the middles something. And then I see some writing below the white lives that says save the marlins.com. So it's for like a Marlin conservatory. (laughs) Just like 
You guys could not have picked the worst That's possible terrible. slogan. <laughs> and and that is like again, that goes back to this idea of like you can't defend that. Yeah. Like that that is a racist bumper sticker. You know I, mean, I mean, yeah, I guess. Yes, yeah. Like I don't care if it's like yeah. for like no man, it's for puffins. Like Yeah, I, yeah, I, I but, just have a hard time. I don't know. With the, I haven't looked into it any farther than that. I guess I'm willing to write it off at face value as completely dumb and like ignorant. Right. But I'm not sure I would go so far as to say it's like ill intended. Well, I, I would say the person who designed it does because what they're doing is they're taking iconography <laughs> that has a clear like place in our culture yeah. and they're co-opting it for their own purposes. and. You can't do that. Yeah, but I know I agree, but I could also see somebody that's like, oh, yeah, I don't know what that means. I just know that like Black Lives Matter is a thing. No, no. I could see somebody who bought it saying, <clears throat> I'm not with the person yeah. who designed it and was like, this is this is what we need to do. This is we're going to take the Black Lives Matter and we're going to turn <laughs> that into our Marlin conserva- conservatory <laughs> yeah. or whatever. Yeah. People are dumb, man. That caught me off guard. I saw another, um, after you talked about uh, seeing the John Galt stuff, I saw mm. it on like two cars this morning. Yeah. Oh, that's the who is John Galt things all over the place. Yeah. But, I mean, it's like, am I just seeing these old bumper stickers or is Anne Rand having a... Uh, no, I, I think she's probably just as popular as she's always been. Anyway. I mean, I remember seeing, I've seen, I've seen John Galt's stickers for years. Yeah, I remember no, no, having I, to look it up at first. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've seen it too, but um, so really quick, I wanted to do an update of the summer movie wager. Yeah. So it looks like you're going to win. <laughs> there, there's one chance that this film right. Alpha so can just Alpha come out does left field. Well, makes I think it has to make between twenty nine and seventeen million dollars. If it does that, then there's going to be a tie. But if it makes anything less than $17 million, I win. You lose no matter what. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like I had an idea for how to resolve ties, but now I forgot. And I will say this. So, so far, outside of one tier, I have a perfect record on all the other tiers. And I'll say this. The the only reason I messed up in that one tier is because the rules were that we're counting the box office from opening weekend, right? Yeah. And sorry to bother you. Sorry to bother you's opening weekend was a limited release. So I ranked that lower than the other movies because I'm thinking this is not going to be in many theaters. Mm-hmm. But the total that we're counting is from its wide release. Mm-hmm. So I'm not complaining. I have no problems with that because I'm going to win anyways. (laughs) But it also kind of messes up my perfect streak. Yeah. I mean, this, this to me was a, was a learning, uh, season. Um, and I think that we agreed that the whole principle was six tiers of movies. You have to rank the films in each tier, four movies in, in each tier. Yeah. Four in each tier. From highest grossing to lowest. Right. And I tried to group them like the big blockbusters down to tier six, which is like, 
the the obscure indie films. Right. And um, I think we need, we agreed we need more films in each tier. Mm-hmm. But how do you feel about everything else? How do you feel about the, the last three tiers would get bonuses if you got those right? Because I was thinking they're like independent releases and if somebody just wants to play this who didn't know about movies, this would be their chance to like catch up because they got lucky right. versus somebody who just knows about the films, just steamrolling. Well, I think everything about it is fun is great. It just needed more movies in each tier because four movies per tier doesn't allow a lot, a of lot of variation. variation. Yeah. So I, I, I agree like with the that. way the points work. I like the tiers. <clears throat> it just needed a couple of movies. With that being said, you sent the fall movie list today. And it's like, man, there's so many movies here. <laughs> now I've this gone is take a lot more work. <laughs> now I've gone the opposite way with it. And what happened with that, I was actually trying to think if I could have varying numbers of movies for, for the tiers. Um, because what I wanted to do, the, so the difficult thing I had doing with that is how to group the films. Right. Because in the fall movies, it's not about box office. Because box office is lower and there's right. not as many blockbuster films. So what I decided to do was try to rank Rotten Tomato score um, yeah. and try to rank it top to lowest. And the way that I figured to do that is trying to group them by theme. So I tried to put like the fall blockbusters together, like okay. Predator. Um, Who knows? Predator, right. oh Venom, Venom. <laughs> yeah, Predator, Venom, like all the. Now, is this the <clears throat> aggregate Rotten Tomato score? Or is this just like the top critics? So yeah, that was what I was, I was going to talk to you about. I'm thinking top critics. Okay. Um. So, anyway, um. What happened though was some tiers had more than others. Like the horror tier, was easy to fill out. Because yeah. it's October, and there's just a lot there. But if I wanted to do like the comedies, well, there's honestly not as many comedies, right? And so it'd be like that tier would have like four films in it. <clears throat> so one tier could have like seven, mm. the other one would have like four. But I was like, then you run into the same problem, and it just it was weird. Yeah. And I was like, so the tier that had the most films that I felt like we had to include in a fall m- a movie wager was seven. So then I just tried to match seven for everything else. Mm-hmm. And so some of the, some of the tiers lose it a little bit. There's still like some justification if you squint and sure. look at it. Uh, but I figured what we think about that. Is that the best way is just like genre film seems like that's a better way to try and guess like, is this horror movie going to be better than this horror movie versus yeah. is this horror movie going to be ranked higher than this drama? It's right. like, well, yeah, I, think I don't that know. Works. Yeah, that makes sense. So, yeah. So, there we go. Right now, you're the only one. So, when do those one. movies start? They start, like, the week after our summer movie. Oh, okay. So, I think we have, like, two or three weeks. Okay. I'll have to get on it then. Yeah. And every film on there has a trailer. Okay. And if you want to do the deep research, like me, you can just see, like, director. Right. You know, what's their kind of... What's their Rotten Tomatoes boundaries, right. high to see, low? See, now my problem is that I'm at a job where I actually have to do stuff all day. I don't have as much time to research. 
Yeah. Whereas with the, well, a lot with the summer movie stuff, it was just like, let me watch this trailer. All right, this is what I think. Yeah. But now, I don't know when I'm going to do that. <clears throat> so we'll, uh, so we'll see. Um, I actually, when I got it all up there, I, I actually think it, it has fallen together nicely, I yeah. think, as I looked at the films. And I started looking, and it seems like, yeah, there's a lot more room for actually having reasons for why you put things where versus, again, with the blockbusters, you just kind of, you know, I hope people want to see another Jurassic World. Right. I don't, but. Yeah. What's wrong, Steph? In a little bit, when we're done with the podcast. Okay. All right. Good night. I love you. Good night. Okay. Yeah. I'm disrupting. I'm disruptive. So, anyway. Um, yeah. So, we'll, we'll see how that goes. Uh, I put out another invite to Bill and to Elise. It might just be a, I, I kind of have a feeling like it might just be head to head, which I'm fine with. <laughs> sure. I, I, I think really it's always been a two person competition sure. with these things. <laughs> yeah. All right. Other than that, I guess the only thing of note that happened in the last few weeks is a three win streak in Fortnite with oh my you, me, yeah. Chris, and Bill. She went and laid down. Yeah. Um, like I was saying, I really think that was just like matchmaking. Luck of the draw three times in a row. Making up for the night that we had oh. Friday night where it was like yeah. we had six matches of just dropping and immediately getting killed. Yep. Until we had to stop playing. <laughs> <laughs> we just ran out of time. We were like, but yeah, night. that was crazy. And not only was it three wins in a row, but all of us were alive at each win. Yeah. That's I th- crazy. I think all of us had kills every single. Yeah. I know I had at least one kill every single round. Yeah, I did too. I think Bill did. Yeah, I think, and you and Chris obviously, uh, you know, kind of had the most. So I mean, like, we were all productive. I just, I honestly think that it works to have like Bill and I, who are mainly support. Like, <coughs> so when we see people, mm-hmm. we're basically like shooting what they're building. Right. You and Chris are kind of aiming or, or using more strategy uh-huh. and then you also have like the lucky stuff like i've been practicing with the sniper and so like mm-hmm. at the end i just like sniped somebody from super long and just got that team down to at least three right. you know but then really is like just us having good support and like bill resurrected us like multiple games like he was right. kind of always there to to you know guess back so, yeah, man, I'm ready to blow it. I'm ready for yeah. us for to play again and have it. Yeah, I don't know. There's still something about those final encounters in Fortnite that don't stack up for me like they did in PUBG. Like, once you get down to the final 10 in PUBG, you get really nervous, yeah. right? And you really start to feel it. <coughs> and your adrenaline really starts going. 
I, whereas in the, those first two wins in Fortnite, yeah. they were both kind of like, oh, wait a minute. That was the last guy. Yeah. <laughs> like we didn't even realize. And then the third one, I feel like the only reason we knew, or at least I knew, is because I made it a concerted effort to keep at track. the end to be like, okay, there's only this many people left. And now there's only this many people left. Okay, this is the last squad we're facing. Um, I'm going to chalk that up to two things. Number one, the art style. Yeah. I honestly think the art style yeah, has a feeling of like, oh, hey, this is fun. And number two, um, how quickly you can get back into a match. Yeah. And how quickly sometimes matches can go. Right. PUBG, if you get to the final 10, right. it's gone longer. Yeah, you've than, been playing for like 40 minutes. <laughs> you've been playing for like 40 <laughs> minutes and you don't have like bright, colorful right. things to distract you. You have like rocks and tree cover you're hiding in a bush you're hiding in a bush you're just like so it just i think lends itself to be more nerve-wracking i agree um and if fortnite had that long of a grind a bigger map and a longer grind i think that it might have more uh impact Mm -hmm. at the end all right all right that'll that'll do her that'll do it 